Hey, it's Tony and Jenny Bruski from Real Ghost Stories Online, and we need your help with something. What's that? Keeping our show on the air. As the show grows, so do the costs of producing it and distributing the audio of Real Ghost Stories Online, the very thing that you listen to probably on a regular basis. So if you listen to the show regularly, we ask you to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. We'll give you even more episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online to listen to in exchange for your support. It's only $5 a month, and you can sign up at realghoststoriesonline.com. Your support is what keeps our show going. Plus, we'll give you access to all of the past EPP bonus episodes of Real Ghost Stories Online, jam-packed with some of the creepiest stories we've ever gotten in, and exclusively for EPPs, more than 30 full episodes. Thanks for helping keep Real Ghost Stories Online on the air. Without your support, the show couldn't go on. Sign up now to be an EPP, extra podcast person, on the website at realghoststoriesonline.com. And thank you. Welcome to Real Ghost Stories Online. Call in your real ghost story now at 855-853-4802 or write in at realghoststoriesonline.com. You're about to enter the world of the unknown and quite possibly the undead. This is Real Ghost Stories Online. And on tonight's show, a listener musters up the courage to visit her dear friend despite being terrified of her friend's home. After a tragic loss of a schoolmate, a girl finds that her friend is still very much around. And how would you explain a shadow person to your family if you were the only one who could see it? Plus, a student in Australia goes on a seemingly hellish field trip. Those stories, your calls, and more today on Real Ghost Stories Online. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again. Hello. Hi. What was the worst field trip you ever went on as a child? Um, there was one where we went to an outdoor nature center, but it was raining. Okay. And it was like 60 degrees, which 60 degrees would be great if it wasn't raining. Sure. So we were all cold and wet and yeah. most of us got sick. Kind of a miserable experience at the, uh, at the nature center. Yeah. I'm trying to think of the worst field trip I ever went on. Um, cause when I ask a question, I feel I should probably be able to answer it as well. Um, and I don't know the answer to that question. My little brother went to a pig farm, and my mom had volunteered to go with it. And then they got home. Mm-hmm. They reeked of <laughs> oh god of just that smell. Yeah, it was horrible. I suppose it'd be somewhat educational. Yeah, you would just think, oh, we're going to a farm. We're going to see some pigs. No, they went to like a pig farm where they're just lined up in rows. Squeal like a pig, boy. Oh, it's gross. Creepy. What was that from? Squeal Like a Pig. What movie is that? Is that... Uh, That's Deliverance. Deliverance. A movie I've never seen. Yeah, you can't quote lines from movies you've never seen. That's just, Yes, I can. No, that's just wrong. For all the people that quote movie lines like, there's no tomorrow, the few that I know, I, I don't have to have seen the movie. That's like the lamest thing ever. If you quote movie lines from a movie and you've never seen it. No, it's lame when you can like quote the line from the movie and then continue on quoting like the next 10 minutes of the movie straight. Well, everybody has a favorite movie. Sure, but even I can't do that on my favorite movies. Really? No. I, I mean, I, I can't. I mean, I, I know, like, various lines here and there, but that's kind of it. Okay. My I, I don't know names either, so. <laughs> my uh, That part of my brain doesn't work all that well, which I, I don't, I think, for names, that sucks, because I really would like to get better at that. Uh-huh. There's probably some sort of exercise I could do to do that, but. Um, well, since you haven't seen that movie, and you. We should watch it as a family. No, you probably don't know what that line is in reference to, so I wouldn't... I I believe it's like a a creepy man doing something to a child, isn't it? No. What is it? It's not. We'll talk about it later, but don't say that anymore. Squeal like a pig? Yeah. Why? Tell me. The chair. We're all (laughs) friends here. There's a scene where these these guys are river rafting, I think, or they're hunting, and these backwoods... Mountain people? Mountain people come upon them, and, and they... They rape one of them. Okay. And that's what they So that's kind of what him. I just said, but it, uh, it's not it, a kid. Okay, okay. And the guy's overweight. And okay. So that's where that comes from. It's kind of uh, Hills Have Eyes ish. I did see that, and that's in that vein of just utter disturbing. I never saw that one. You don't want to. That was one where I just I walked out of that going, well, it was done well, but 
I really was disturbed walking on. Like, I, I didn't get any anything out of it. Uh-huh. You know, it, it's it wasn't junk food like a lot of movies are where it's just like, oh, that was, you know, just pure entertainment and just kind of felt, you know, you're not going to get that two hours of your life back. But, yeah, you know, it's just mindless entertainment. Um, and then there's movies where you walk away from you feel like, oh, I really, I got like something uplifting out of this or something interesting or a little figment of something that I can add to something in my life. Uh-huh. And then there's movies where you walk away from and you just feel disturbed. <laughs> That's how I felt after that movie. It wasn't that it was a bad movie. It was just one where it's like, I probably could have done without seeing that movie. Sure. And I'd be a better person for it. Okay. <laughs> where it's like, I, it's just one of those, it, it falls in the category of things you can't unsee. Gotcha. Or unexperienced. And you're just like, yeah, I, I don't see any value to this at any point in life, this ever coming in. It was like, oh, you know, referencing it at some point. Oh, in this movie, this happened. No, I just, <laughs> just utter disturbing. Okay. So mission accomplished, if that's what they were going for with that one. Well, so Probably. So, anyhow, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. You can, uh, of course, uh, also write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Little Norway, now that's a field trip. Oh, wow. <laughs> Went there as a child. It's in Wisconsin. Uh-huh. And uh, it's uh, near Madison. It's kind of weird. It's kind of bizarre. I don't know how to describe it. Um, I'm Norwegian, but it was like little Norwegian-esque buildings and... I don't know. Lots of trolls. Okay. Here's some creepy aspect to it. I think that would be mine. The weirdest field trip place. Okay. I've gone to. Anyhow. Uh, Nina writes in, Hello, Tony and Jenny. Firstly, I want to thank you for sharing my story in the air. Brought up some uh, unnerving answers about what occurred at my friend's home all those nights. And also helped me make sense of several occurrences that I had there. Now, I do have another story that I want to share with you, but before that, I just feel like providing a small update about my current situation involving the mirror. Before seeing your episode where you shared my story, I happened to return to my friend's home to celebrate the New Year since the two of us really wanted to get together and hang out again. However, it seemed that every plan prior to this one failed for one reason or another. Normally, it was always something that popped up on her end. It got to the point where... I had no choice but to return to that little paradise. And I can assure you, I wasn't looking forward to having another run-in with Linda, though I was willing to face my fears if it meant seeing my friend again. I really don't want to go to great detail to recount what happened at that house, but I. But what I will say is that you both were right. Can you refresh me on Linda? Sure. She is a <clears throat> female ghost okay. attached to an antique, I believe it's a hand mirror. Okay. And um, it's at her friend's house. And every time she went there, she felt like this ghost that was attached to this mirror kind of attacked her in a way. Okay. I can't remember the specifics on what happened. I'm, I'm just lucky that I remembered that Linda was the ghost in the mirror. Okay. So She's brave in the mirror to go see her friends. She's brave in going to her friend's house because okay. it, it expanded beyond just the mirror. Okay. Okay. Nothing good can come from that mirror. And whoever or whatever Linda is, it isn't human. I truly fear for my friend and her family at this point, and I find myself at a loss as to what can be done to put an end to this. Hopefully, I can muster up the courage later on in order to tell you about that event, but for now, that has to wait since I still have a wave of anxiety wash over me when I think back to it. All right, now I suppose a good way to calm my nerves is to tell you about a more lighthearted experience that both my mother and I experienced while growing up in Louisville, Kentucky. And Tony, I think you might enjoy this one, considering it involves a ghost who loved to play pranks on kids. Who is this ghost? Well, apparently, it was my peepaw. That is what my mom always called her father. So I never knew him by any other name. Now, I never knew my peepaw since he passed away due to a heart attack before I was born. But I still feel an attachment to him. Nonetheless, so this experience begins... When I was in the bathroom, whether it was to take a shower or to just take care of business is something I can't quite recall, but I'll let Tony come up with a funny scenario since those always get to make me chuckle. Okay, she was in the bathroom because... This is where I'm supposed to come up with something? Yeah. You're not good on the spot. I'm not. When I'm when I'm asked to be on... Because that's not how comedy... You, you kind of... It's like, hey, tell a funny joke. You know, like, I, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm not... It's situational. Okay. 
I got nothing. Okay. I'll come up with something strange as the story continues. Don't worry. I, I, I'm, I'm good at that. I had turned towards the doors and was ready to get out of there when I suddenly felt a slight unease come over me. For some reason, my mind was telling me to not turn around or I might see a monster or something of that nature. Like any rational child, which since our imagination seems to enjoy torturing us at that age. It was at this point I heard the water from the bathtub faucet turn on. This startled me out of the previous terror I was in and tur I turned around, which confirmed that the water was indeed turned on since I saw it with my own eyes. I can't quite recall what I was thinking at the time, but I do remember that I went over to the tub and tried to turn the water off by twisting the handle. So shortly after doing so, I felt a force pull in the opposite direction while I was attempting to turn off the water, and I, being the easily terrified kid that I was, yanked my hand away and ran quickly out of there and went straight to my mother's room. She didn't believe me when I told her about what just happened and went to turn off the water. Now, I don't know exactly what occurred when my mom was in there, but I know for a fact that she shouted, All right, Peepaw, enough horsing around. I want to sleep tonight, knowing my, uh, knowing my kids won't have nightmares. She didn't sound happy about the apparent prank. Now, was this actually my deceased grandfather? Well, to be perfectly honest, I have no idea, but I like to think it was. Until this day... My mom and I look back on that and have a good laugh. There are more stories that involve my peepaw, as well as the topics of reincarnation and oddly imaginary friends. But those will probably have to wait until a later date. And perhaps the next time I write in, I'll finally be okay with sharing what happened at my friend's house on New Year's. But only time will tell. Thanks for taking the time to read through this, finally having a place where I can share my experiences, knowing that you're not crazy and other people out there have also been through similar events, can make a huge difference. I agree. I think so, too. And I do hope that <clears throat> she's able to eventually share what happened. I'm really interested in hearing that New Year's story. Yeah. I don't know if that makes any difference to her at all that I'm really interested, but I would love to, if you can muster up the courage to do that. And I'm sure it's difficult. I mean, it's, if it's a very disturbing event, sometimes down there, especially writing. Yeah. Right? I mean... It's one of those things, you know, when you when you reiterate a story to someone, verbally doing it is one thing, but it's almost like much more impactful and, um, I, I don't know, I guess impactful is the only word I'm looking for here, uh, to, to reiterate it through word, like typing it. But I think, too, it can be very... Um, Therapeutic? Yeah. Yeah. So... I agree. It's one of those things where you can almost kind of work through it and get it out. And then sometimes that lessens it than every time. I would say like reiterating a story verbally, mm -hmm. I'd, th I'd say re just as far as a therapeutic level goes sometimes, I think saying that story five times to someone versus one time really writing it out and taking the time to kind of work through it. Uh-huh. I think there's there's you have to go that go through that story to five different people to get the same level of therapeutic release as you would by writing it out. Well, and each time you tell the story verbally, you're probably skipping over parts or omitting things because mm -hmm. you you know you just do when you're telling a story. Sure. And you don't, for the sake of the story, go back and be oh, but what you know? Here's one no. thing I left out. But when you're writing, you can you can go back and. When you think, oh, I forgot that, you go back and put it in. So you get a much more comprehensive look sure. at what happened. And I think it's that much more therapeutic to get it all out Yeah. then. And you don't feel like you have to tailor it for who is listening. No. You know, sometimes we do it subconsciously. You're telling a story to someone. I'm going to tell it this way because this person's going to like it better that way. Mm -hmm. When you're writing it out, you're not necessarily always thinking about the audience. You're just thinking about the story. And how it related to you and how you feel about it. And you can really just kind of get the full. It, it's the same, you know, it's like the, well, that movie was really good. But the book version, oh my God, 10 times better. Right. Same sort of theory. Mm -hmm. So thank you for uh, for sharing that with us. And please do, uh, if you can, muster that up. We would love to hear it. And it, it probably will will do you some good to, to be able to get uh, get through that. Uh, 855-853-4802 is our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Of course, you can also uh, write it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Bonnie writes in, this will be a long story. 
My friend passed away this Easter Sunday as she was driving home from work, lost control of the car, and crashed. That Sunday, I wanted to get a hold of her and uh, download ghost de- and download the ghost detector application. I've never believed in those things, but decided to give it a try. At the time, I was working on a paper about Dante, when all of a sudden, it blurted out university. Then soon after, poem, and then paper. I thought it was a coincidence at first, but when it blurred, uh, blurted out crash, work, and bar, she worked at a bar, I freaked out, and I do believe it was her. The following day, I was having a conversation with her. Don't think I'm crazy. And as soon as I finished my quick conversation with her, I felt a warm touch on my arm, and only that spot got goosebumps. Later that day, I was watching some old videos of her, and the same thing happened, goosebumps. The following week on her funeral, when I returned home, my husband got out of the car along with our daughter, three years old, she is short, as I was uh, getting my things from the back seat, I literally felt someone pull my, uh, pull my hair kind of hard. My first thought was that it was my daughter, but I realized she was too short and saw her next to my husband. I freaked out and told him, but he didn't believe me. My final experience happens this week. Now, I always keep my phone on the charger on the floor next to my bed. My phone has been on the charger since 9 the day before, and all of a sudden, in the middle of the night, my phone went off as I turned it off and turned it back on. I woke up, grabbed it, thinking it was someone calling, and to my surprise, it was 3 a.m. on the dot. I was so scared, I literally, literally felt like someone was there next to me. I just closed my eyes and covered myself. Well, that's about it. Keep it up, guys. Okay, I'm not so much doubting that something was communicating with her Mm -hmm. as much as I'm curious if it was really her friend or just something that wanted to communicate with her. Why would you think it wasn't her friend? Because it seemed like things kind of started to be strange Mm -hmm. after. Yeah, there wasn't like any sort of real direct, um, I guess, message. No. You know, being relayed. Like, hey, it's me. I'm okay over here. Or something. Right. I always wonder that. And that's that's an interesting thing. When, when you have a, someone who is, has died, they're going to all this length, it seems, to communicate mm-hmm. in some way, shape, or form. And they're able to do this and able to do that. Why are they not able to just simply say, hey, it's me. I'm okay. That's it. Because maybe the message is missed. Why does it have to be so cryptic? Because of what they're able to do and what they're not able to do. Well, that's true. I just, I, I think about some of them. In some cases, you're exactly right, where it seems to be very limited. Mm-hmm. But in some cases, it can be like very detailed, where like some real crazy things will happen. It's like, if you're able to do all that, why can't you just do this? You know what I mean? Well, even in this case, she was using an app to communicate with her friend. Yeah, like if she's able to manipulate specific words like where she worked and things of that nature. Okay, great. Then once you got that established and you're realizing your friend is there and recognizing that it's you, why wouldn't you say, I'm okay? Or whatever your message is, not just, hi, I worked at a bar. We know that. Yeah. You know, like what is the purpose? Like what is the message? And and, and maybe that kind of goes back to what you're saying is, Maybe it necessarily wasn't the friend. Could be. Couldn't be. I don't know. Um, You know, at first it sounded like maybe it was, but then, Mm -hmm. you know, dark things have a way of knowing. Yeah, and sometimes manipulating. Especially if you are looking for somebody. Yeah. It's kind of like just uh, putting out... uh, it's, It's like being in a crowded room and then suddenly going, Hey, everybody! Come over here. And, and all of a sudden, all these people come towards you, and you don't know who they are. They're just going to come. You don't know what you're going to get. Is it a good person? Is it a bad person? But you're waving your hand, and that's kind of what it's like when you're using a, a ghost app or a Ouija board or something like that. Whatever comes to you, it's kind of luck of the draw. Yeah. So you never really know. And I hate to be Debbie Downer on that, but... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just... I'm just kind of curious because it seems things are starting to go weird. There wasn't a lot of uh, definition to it. No. Yeah, I I, I agree. It, I'm not saying it's not the friend. Mm-hmm. I don't think you are either. No. But uh, just be cautious. 
I think yes. that would be the, the message there. Ray writes in, hey, guys, I don't know if you remember me, but I wrote back in February about my experience in uh, Springville Madison or uh, the Springville Mansion in uh, Opelkia, Alabama, O-P-E-L-I-K-A. You say? I think it's Opelika. Opelika, Alabama. Okay. There you go. I think. It was kind of a fun little rhyme. <laughs> it's probably like what they chant at the school. O-P-E-L-I-K-A. You say? Opelika. I bet they don't do that at all. What do you think they do? Something else. <laughs> What's wrong with that? <laughs> I think I just invented a new town cheer for Opelika. Oh, that guy in the ghost show is doing some Opelika cheer. We're going to start using that now. Uh, you actually posted on the EPP episode on my birthday. A little fun fact for you. Huh. Some strange stuff has happened since writing in. About a week or two uh, before I wrote uh, to you both, I randomly started noticing one small white feather floating around me. They aren't big, but they're like down feathers. I don't have a down comforter or anything with feathers, but I would constantly see these in the shower, at work, in the post office, in my car. Just a bunch of random places. I actually had that happen to me once. And then I realized my down comforter was actually really shitty, and it was falling apart, and I was, like, getting down on me. Oh. It's like feathers everywhere. I'm going to feel like a chicken. <laughs> I did. Uh, I'd enjoy some input because I honestly have no clue what the heck is going on. Anyway, today I'm writing in to tell you about when my first experience happened. Uh, this is when my uh, night terrors began and I started experiencing, as said in the previous story, unexplainable shit. I would like to hear your take on it. When I was in kindergarten, I had a best friend, Gracie. One night I had dreamt that Gracie invited me over to her house. In the dream, her house was on a cliff. The house itself was on the land, but behind it there was a deck that jutted out across what I had assumed was the ocean. Gracie pulled me to the deck and we started drawing and giggling like every little kid does. A few minutes into drawing, a lady came out to the house and started yelling at Gracie. When she left, I asked her who the lady was and she said it was her stepmom. We went back to the drawing again. The lady came out even angrier than before. She told me to go inside and I obeyed. I stood by the kitchen door keeping watch on my friend. The next thing I know, her stepmom grabbed her up and threw her over the cliff. The lady looked up to see me witness the entire thing. I ran to hide, but she ultimately caught up with me and threw me over the cliff as well. Most people think that when you're falling in a dream, if you hit the ground, you'll die. That is not completely true. I remember hitting the ground and opening my eyes. I was lying on my back, and I remember Gracie calling for me. I sat up and she was standing in front of me, soaking wet and crying into her hands. Water poured out from beneath them and dripped onto the ground. Her sobs sounded as if there was she was coughing up water. I asked her what was wrong and that's when I woke up. I don't remember ever getting an answer from her, but I do remember walking to my mom's room and telling her that I had a nightmare. She let me sleep in their room that night. There are a few inconsistencies with real life and the dream. Gracie and I live in the middle of Alabama with no cliffs around. Her house was past a small grove of trees behind a church, so I'm not sure how I would associate her living where she did in the dream. We spent most of our time playing in a small wooded area. Also, Gracie's parents weren't divorced. The next few days, I had the worst feeling ever. I was so afraid my friend was going to die. I felt like I was screw a screwed-up little kid because what child dreams of that at five? Anyway, kindergarten and first grade passed without any problems. Gracie and I still were great friends despite being in different classes for first grade. Then in second grade, we were in the same class again. We were inseparable, just like in kindergarten. The second grade, that changed. I remember my teacher pulling me out of the classroom and telling me that Gracie wasn't going to be in school anymore. I thought maybe she had moved, but didn't tell me. When I got home, my mom told me that she had actually been riding her bike around her backyard and fallen into the pool. She had drowned. The year after, my mom had a little brother. Ultimately, Gracie's parents did end up getting a divorce soon after that. Her dad kept the house filled in the pool, and I forced the thought of Gracie out of my mind until I was in seventh grade. My family had started going to the church behind Gracie's house. There was a little walkway they had paved that went through the neighborhood and the grove of trees beside her house. One day, while I was walking with my little brother, we went for a walk. He was running a few feet ahead of me, and I was trailing behind, most likely texting on my phone. When I went through the grove of trees, I noticed he was standing still and talking. Figured he was talking to himself, so I brushed it off and kept walking. A few minutes later, we passed by Gracie's house. My little brother stopped. I had continued walking past him, but 
stopped when I didn't hear him following. I looked back at him and he was staring at the backyard. I asked if he was okay and he had this strange look on his face. It was like a mix of sadness and confusion and pain. He mumbled something. I walked back to him and said, What did you say? He looked up at me and said, The girl in the woods promised there was a pool here. I asked him what girl he was talking about. He said, You should remember. I grabbed his hand and we hightailed it out of there. Since then, however, I have had random dreams where people get hurt or friends if things happen to them. They're only people I'm very close with. I've predicted two friends' car accidents, three of my grandparents' deaths, and a few other random incidents. The most recent is a family friend, Billy. He was in a car accident on January 14th. I had a dream around the 10th of January that I was driving down a road looking in my rearview mirror and saw a car get hit head-on. This past spring break, my family visited Chattanooga, and we used the Ovulus X. The words it said were Billy Metal Accident. Sorry this was so long, but I would like to hear your take on it. Okay, I want to talk about two things. Okay. I'm going to talk about the feathers first. We've had, and it was a while ago, but we had another story about somebody that kept finding random white feathers around them, and it wasn't a comforter or a pillow. Okay. Um, and I believe some of our listeners thought that it was a good sign. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that is a good thing. I don't know exactly what it means. Somebody alluded to it's like feathers from angel wings. Okay. I don't know. Maybe just some sort of, I mean, I could see that being somewhat of a natural occurrence. We've talked about that before, where some, sometimes these things are just naturally in our environment and somehow other side forces, mm-hmm. good or bad, uh, then use them to get attention. Sure. And, oh, and that may be what's going on there. Not that they're just appearing out of thin air, but they're being manipulated. Or that there's literally angel feathers dropping on you. but Or it, you're... Yeah, go ahead. No, I was going to say, but it's supposed to be, I believe, a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. Or you have a down comforter and don't realize it because they told you it was cotton. Did they tell you yours was cotton? Bastards. No. I'm just... I was going to say... Cause... No, I knew it was down. I just thought it was better quality than it was. Yeah. I hate it when the little feather ends poke you. Yeah. I... I it was actually it was a, a mattress pad, oh. which is even worse, because then you're laying on the feathers. Yeah. And they're poking up. It. It's like, this is horrible. Anyhow, continue on. Okay, for the rest of the story, um, I think it's open and closed. Gracie's still around. Yeah. It's ter- terrible what happened to her, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, she's still around. And she was communicating with the brother. Yeah. And the brother didn't know her. No. That's why he was just kind of like, oh, there's a girl. And, you know, it wasn't like, oh, here, there's my friend Gracie, you know. But it makes me wonder why she was trying to lead him to the pool if that's what killed her. Yeah. You know, and it makes me wonder, too, because in Ray's dream, you know, the girl fell off the cliff or was thrown off the cliff. And then Ray was thrown off the cliff. It's almost like somebody was supposed to be with her. Was she pushed into the pool? Was it not an accident at all? Who knows? I don't know. That's quite an uh, assumption to make. It is. But I'm just trying to, like, connect some dots here from what the dream was and make some assumptions. Is she trying to tell somebody something that... I would just think... I don't know. I would just think that she would be, like, you know, trying to prevent that. I don't know why she would be like, come here, there's a pool. Yeah. To this little kid. I don't know. I wonder if there's some sort of message being or trying to be relayed. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Make your assumptions based on the dream and this or that, but I don't know. Odd. It is odd. Very odd. Mickey writes in. M-I-K-K-I? I think so. I don't think, I can't think of any other way to enunciate that. Mickey? Mackay. Mackay? I don't know. Oh, Mickey, you're so funny. I hate that song. Don't sing hate it. It's it. stuck in my head now. It's the worst song ever. Worst song. What's the worst song ever for you? That one is it for me. Oh, it's Christmas Shoes. <laughs> yeah, that's a pretty depressing song. Not because it gets stuck in my head, but it makes me want to drink every time I hear it. <laughs> Buy 
heard these Christmas Play. shoes. I hate that song. Yeah. My torture was the year it came out working in radio. We played it. That was played about as frequently as the theme to Titanic. Okay. The uh, uh, Celine Dion song. And I'm not going to sing that one. Unless you like me to. No. Okay. What? Mickey writes in. Hello, everyone. My name is Mickey. And I just started listening to your show. And I'm already addicted to it. Anyway, while listening to your show, I remember some strange things that happened to me. There was actually three different events involving the same black figure. The first one happened... When I was eight or nine and I was in my backyard, we were all back there camping. I was talking to my mom's friend Marvin about ghost stories, oddly enough. And I looked back towards the house and I saw a tall black figure walking across the back of the house. I asked Marvin if he had seen it, but he said he didn't. The next time I saw the black figure, I was in my bedroom trying to fall asleep a year or two later. And I looked over at the door and there was the figure was. He was watching me sleep. I could see it more clearly, but I couldn't remember seeing a face. I remember that he almost reached the top of the door frame, and I felt like he was there to protect me. I saw the figure one more time, about two years after that, again in my bedroom. I was trying to sleep, and I rolled over, and I was standing right beside the bed. Still, I didn't look at his face, or if I did, I don't remember. I just remember telling him to go away because I was trying to sleep and he was giving me the willies. Since then, other things have happened. I hear things a lot at night, too. Maybe he was scaring Dennis away. We name the ghost Dennis. I don't know, but I felt like I should tell people my story. So, yeah, I'll stop talking. Okay. Was anybody else seeing the shadow? Uh, Not that I'm aware of. I was just curious if it was just the one person seeing it. It's interesting that he was getting a calming feeling. Yeah. That's good, usually. Um, so I, I, I don't really know what to think of it other than, you guess, you saw some sort of shadow-esque person. Uh, I can't necessarily say it's bad or it's good. I would lean more, torso, more, more uh, to the good side mm-hmm. just because of the vibes he was getting from it but yeah okay. that, that's about it yeah <laughs> sorry uh 855-853-4802 is our number here at real ghost stories online hey if you like the show please press subscribe whatever platform it is you're listening to us on itunes stitcher youtube there's a lot of places our shows being distributed through these days so uh be sure to press subscribe so you don't miss any episodes if you're listening to us on uh, dark matter radio uh, thank you and welcome, and uh, that will be a live stream of the show, so you can't necessarily press subscribe there, but if you'd like, uh, please uh, check us out on the other platforms as well. You can uh, check out all of our archive material, literally hundreds of hours of ghost stories. So if you like this show, you like the ghost stories, there's a lot of it there, and it's all for the taking. Sign up uh, on our website uh, or uh, through one of those platforms and uh, enjoy away. And uh, thank you for joining us if you're out uh, there on uh, Dark Matter Radio. Lots of exciting things happening over on Dark Matter Radio in the coming months. Really? Really. It's going to be interesting. Going to be interesting. Okay. From the high desert. Amber writes in, hello, my name is Amber. I'm from uh, Allen Park, Michigan. I recently discovered your podcast, which I love. I work on an assembly line and listening to it really helps pass the time. I'm very uh, early in the podcast and currently listening to the Portal to Hell. So I'm sure it'll be uh, sometime before I hear this on your podcast should you choose to read it. Yeah, that's a long time ago. That was like a year ago. That was. I think the Portal to Hell episode. And that was referencing uh, art. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, the old, uh, it's it's like historically known episode now. Uh, in fact, there's like a band that took audio from that show and uses it in their album. So they lifted it from art show. They used it in their album. And now the issue that it presents for shows like ours, that we go back and we take some of that audio and we share it and we talk about it and we reanalyze it years later, is that band now claims copyright on that audio, which they lifted. And then when we represent it, the band claims rights on our that episode of the show. It's insane. Did they come after us when we used it? Uh, it's been out there, but they, they don't they don't own the rights to it. Okay. If anyone owns the rights to it, it would be like Premier Radio Networks uh, for the, the show. Okay. Um, 
But it's just it's one of those crazy things where they lifted the audio from that show. We get uh, flagged on YouTube every now and then with that one. And it's just, it's silly. It's silliness. But uh, it's, it's just one of those weird audio infringing things where they stole it, but then they try to claim it. But anyhow. That just doesn't seem right. It's a bizarre world out there with audio rights. Okay. That's why we're very careful with what we use on this show <laughs> as far as audio goes. It's all like completely cleared copyright level. Sure. So anyhow, interesting stuff. Uh, I have uh, just a few small stories, one of which I'll share today. The story doesn't really have a beginning. I've heard stories within my family of the man in black. While I've never seen anything myself, knock on wood, I do believe these stories or at least believe when people say they have seen it. He usually appears in times of great stress or when something bad is about to happen. Two of these sightings happened to my husband. My father-in-law was in bad health a few years ago and in the hospital. My husband managed a small ice cream shop or dairy store at the time. One night after the store had closed and the rest of the employees had gone home, he was in the office uh, finishing up uh, nightly paperwork. The office was a window overlooking the store. While doing his paperwork, something caught his eye. He looked up and saw what he could only describe as a man wearing all black, crossing in front of the window. As I said, nobody else was in the store, and the door was locked, so even if one of the employees came back, they would have had to have him unlock the door to enter. He walked around the store for confirmation, and sure enough, nobody was there. He shook it off, as he was not a believer of ghosts or anything of the like. A few nights later, while I was at work, he was sitting at home watching TV with my stepdaughter. My husband was sitting on a couch on one side of the room, and my stepdaughter on the other couch, the opposite side. At the time, the couch my stepdaughter was sitting on was in front of a large picture window with vertical white blinds. It was nighttime, so he had the blinds closed. Again, something caught his attention, and when he looked up, he saw what he described as a shadow going across the blinds behind my stepdaughter, almost as if someone was walking across our front porch. He didn't want to frighten her, so he didn't get up and look but never heard anything on the porch even my dog an eager puppy at the time that would get excited and hear a visitor before they would knock did not stir he chalked it up to stress not long after my father-in-law unfortunately did pass i have just a couple more little stories i'll write in at another time in closing i'd like to say that i too am obsessed with the titanic i love watching documentaries reading articles or visiting exhibits about it Also, I heard a podcast recently. You were talking about TV shows involving ghosts. I, too, loved Unsolved Mysteries. There's a show now that I think you would both enjoy. It's called The Haunting Of on uh, LMN, Lifetime Movie Network. It's a spinoff of celebrity ghost stories with a medium accompanying the celebrities back to the place of their haunting to help them understand what happened. It's very good. If you don't watch it yet, please give it a shot. I think you'll like it. I'll write in about other stories soon and uh, as i've rambled off enough thank you for reading and thank you for doing the show well thank you for the uh the tv show suggestion have you ever watched you've watched um my celebrity ghost stories yeah yeah i like that one it's actually really it's done pretty well it kind of reminds me of the old uh uh unsolved mysteries almost before we started doing the show together i was sitting at your parents house watching that with them and you were putting our little one to bed Mm -hmm. and I was totally engrossed in it and kind of, you know, getting a little freaked out watching it. Sure. And then all of a sudden, outside their sliding window comes this huge raccoon up on the porch. (laughs) And I just about jumped in your mother's lap just because it just freaked me out. I was just focused on the show and then here comes this raccoon and it took off. It was just looking for food. I have never seen a raccoon that close to the house. It was up on the deck looking in the window. (laughs) I'd love to see that. Yeah. I, I would love to see that. I mean, growing up, there was always like tons of raccoons, but they were up in the trees. Uh-huh. It was like monkeys. <laughs> Literally. I mean, there was I like, there was nights you could go outside and you could shine a flashlight up into the trees. And it was really kind of neat because these are, it's in Wisconsin. It's a northeastern Wisconsin area and big old oak trees, you know, probably 80 year old trees. They're huge, uh-huh. and uh, they go way up, and you can go out there with, like, a big flashlight, and you hear these things screaming at each other. They do. They yeah, they scream. They screech. That's how they communicate. Okay. And so at night, you hear this screaming out in, 
you're like, what is that? And it's the raccoons screeching at each other. And you shine the flashlight up there into the trees, and you just see all these eyes reflecting back at you from all the branches everywhere. Yeah. Rakens. That's crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. It is. I mean, they're, they're like monkeys, though. I mean, it's just, and they're all like kind of jumping around and this and that. It's very rare for one to get that close to the house. I mean, normally they, they're just, they're kind of, they're very timid animals. They try to stay away from people for the most part. Well, and your dad was sitting in the chair right there watching with us and just right by the window, here comes this raccoon. And I was like, oh my God. I wonder if there's something wrong with it. I don't know. He took off when there wasn't any food. Okay. Well, then he was probably normal. Mm-hmm. There, there have been ones where uh, they're no fear and they come out and those are the ones that are usually rabid. Okay. And um, those are weird. It's like a zombie raccoon. Zombie Rakens. That's great. That'd be a great horror movie. Night of the Zombie Rakens. You're rolling your eyes. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. I just saw you. I'm just so over you calling them Rakens. Raccoons. Okay, thanks. Okay. Uh, Alora writes in. That's a new name. Uh, 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 hi, guys. I have a new listener. I'm a new listener, but I love your show. I'm writing in from Australia to share a story. I have never really had much happen to me, which is strange because I have for as long as I can remember, but interested in the paranormal and all these sorts of things. I always uh, thought uh, if you were interested in this stuff, it tended to be attracted to you, but I guess not. I am in a way still on the fence because I've never really had an experience except one time. So it always starts. Nothing happens except one time. At one time. Which is a story I'll write in another time. Okay, the story I want to tell now didn't exactly happen to me. I was there, but I didn't see anything. But not only is this, uh, is it ghostly, but uh, it uh, is just overall very creepy. So this happened probably sometime in 2004 when I was about 12 years old. And uh, every year at school, they would arrange for the entire grade to go to, uh, for one week camp south of Western Australia. We went for this place, which is uh, an old farm school whole place is quite large. There's lots of little old cottages that work now as the dorms for students. There was also a small church, a small building, which was the classroom, a dining hall, and across the big uh, paddock, there's a cemetery, which we were told was out of bounds. There were loads of ghost stories being told and lots of pranks played between us all, given that we were all excited to be on the camp and wanting to freak each other out, making up stories and getting spooked. But in general, the place itself had a very eerie and somewhat uncomfortable feeling that everyone seemed to be picking up on. A lot of time, kids uh, ended up crying and being scared, and occasionally kids would have to sleep in the teacher's dorm because they were hysterical and scared. Some even went went home early. We got in trouble for all the pranking and scaring people so much. Anyway, my friend and I were not overly popular and didn't have a big group of friends, so we managed to get a room that just had two beds in it for us to share alone. The cottage dorm we were staying in was laid out with four dorms surrounding the kitchen and small dining area. There was a front door and big glass window that covered one wall of the dining room. It was quite creepy in the night if you wanted to get a drink of water because you could see straight out the windows into the dark area and the forest that sort of surrounds it. It was not curtains, and it was just generally very creepy. As I mentioned, this place was just generally creepy, and you get a bad feeling in certain areas. For example, the church, which was generally out of bounds for us, excluding one time we had a scavenger hunt that required that we go there. There was a story a girl had hung herself on the bell tower rope, and she haunted the church, so most of us were quite scared. I really did not want to enter the church and refused to because I got such a horrible feeling of dread when I stepped in the door. I immediately turned around and sat outside. We also had to walk into the dining hall every night around 7 p.m., and that was a very scary walk through the dark with only torches. Anyway, the main part of the story is that my friend who was sharing the room with me one night woke me up and totally and completely freaked out. She was borderline hysterical and crying, saying that she went out to get a drink of water in the kitchen and she had seen a little girl staring through the window with her face pushed up against the glass looking at her from behind the dining table. She really freaked me out. As well as I told her I would take her up to the teacher's dorm if she wanted to, but uh, she said no and we just stayed awake most of the night talking until we just fell asleep. When we woke up in the morning, we were going to breakfast as we walked past the outside of our room. I saw the fly screen on our window 
had a huge rip on it. I could only think it looked like someone used a knife or something to cut a huge slap. I told the teachers and they dismissed it, telling me it must have been a possum. I didn't really believe it, but let it go and nothing else happened. As I mentioned earlier, lots of people were getting freaked out really bad and scared. I think everyone was very glad when we finally were heading home. When we got home, so many people, including me, cried. When we go back to our parents, who were waiting to pick us up from the bus drop-off, I never paid much attention to it after that time and sort of forgot about it. Now, this is a part I find very interesting. I have a few people from school that I am friends with now at the age of 22, and I asked them not so long ago, as I was just remembering the whole experience, if they remembered it all, uh, remembered it at all, and uh, some of them said yes, and generally something along the lines of, that place was really weird or scary. I was just interested, as I am, about the paranormal and thought I might do some researching on the place to check out its history and if there are any ghost legends. I was totally shocked to find out what I did. To try and cut a very extensive search and discovery short, I found that after the Great Depression, thousands of children were sent out as a part of the post-war program to resettle poor children from Britain. They were not accompanied by parents and were promised a better future. Long story short, they were using these child migrants as slaves on this old farm and covering it up as an orphanage and a better place for these children. In my research, I found within the last 10 years, people are stepping forward claiming they were a victim of psychological, sexual, and physical abuse as a child at the hands of the staff at this farm orphanage. Claims of pedophilia, pack rape, brutal beatings, and slave labor, all of which totally were ignored when uh, when reported during the time, and they continued to send children there. To be completely honest, I was totally shocked when I read all this, not only at what had happened, but the fact that they let schools of children stay in the original cottages and they constantly hold camps there for many different reasons. I cannot believe it. I've never heard of it before and everyone I talked to after had no idea. After reading this sort of uh, information, I thought no wonder that place was horrible and just felt bad. I thought maybe us being young kids picked up some sort of terrible vibes there, which is why so many were scared and ended up leaving. That place had a horrible history and kind of uh, all made sense to me now. I told my friends from that time and they were quite shocked and thought it was a very weird and scary situation too. I was very taken aback by this and my next step was to look at ghost hunting on the farm. I didn't find a lot, but I did find one forum thread where people discussed being on the farm and ghost hunting. Most people just saying the place feels weird, bad, and scary, particularly the church. I spent some time on the thread, and then uh, I came to one thing, which was pretty much the cherry on the cake for me. I saw one guy who talked about staying in one of the cottages and ghost hunting and claimed on the last night that he was there, he went out to get a drink in the kitchen and saw a young girl staring at him from outside the window with her face pressed against the glass. As soon as I read that, I'm pretty sure I closed the browser. I was so freaked out. I got shivers thinking about it. I'm not friends with my old friend now to tell her about it, but I definitely think he was staying in the same cottage we were because they were all different and laid out differently. I was totally freaked at this point. I haven't looked into it any further, but maybe now I will, and if I muster up some courage, maybe I will return to the farm and book a cottage for a weekend. I hope you like my story. As I said, it is ghostly, but also creepy. I'm working through the archives now and hope to become an EPP when I can afford it. Many thanks and stay spooky. Alora. I would venture to say that the kids that felt the need to leave were probably not so much afraid of being apart from their parents as they're probably young empaths. Sure. And just that place would be overwhelming. They knew what they were... They, they may not have known what but they knew something yeah not necessarily the the details Mm -hmm. but they they got the vibe there's something not right here because even people that you know i'm assuming aren't empathic that she's talked to you know that just said oh yeah that place was weird if it's weird enough that the average person feels it's weird yeah it's too much for an empath yeah 
Very much so. That's that's very disturbing. You know, it's interesting with old buildings like that. At this day and age, it's it's amazing when when something uh, brutal or disturbing happens in it. A lot of times, those buildings end up getting demolished. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, that happened there. Oh, well, good luck selling it. Uh, and I don't know if it gets demolished over the lack of it's it's difficult to sell the property. Uh, or it's just kind of the right thing to do sometimes. If like, it's just uh, nothing good is going to happen in yeah. here. Um, but when you have documented cases of these older, I guess somewhat historical structures, and they're still being used, I just, I, I don't, it's just shocking to hear that some of them are, you know, they're, they're just, they're still used. You know, I'm all for a business trying to make a difference and turn around, um, you know, a perception. Mm-hmm. But that is a huge one to overcome. And it's not that, like, the structures were the cause of these poor decisions. No. You know, to put it lightly. No, but they're going to house that energy forever. Yeah. And and the thing is, I think that's that's where the issue comes into play is the the view on the energy yeah is some people totally believe it they know it it's there others it's a building and they don't believe that there's anything there to it right you know so it, and then you know then the money comes into play and like uh well it's, uh, what's the most economical way of doing it? i don't know just something like that where something like that tragic happened I think the right clientele that wouldn't be affected by that, you know, they could probably enjoy a stay there. But people that are even slightly empathic aren't going to enjoy a stay there. Well, I mean, you don't even have to be empathic to be disturbed by a stay there. Right, but if you don't include the paranormal or anything like that within your belief system, then you're probably not going Mm -hmm. to worry about it when you stay there sure i mean i would just say just knowing the history of it would be disturbing yeah. and staying there i mean it's not that you necessarily gonna if you're not empathic maybe you're not going to be affected by it emotionally if you don't know anything about it but if you just knew about it i would you would just go in there feeling this is just i would just be paranoid and it doesn't sound like they include the history of the property on the tour no <laughs> not exactly hey by the way no, I mean, yeah. Yeah. That's messed up. Thank you for the story. Good story. It is a good good one, yeah. So, uh, 855-853-4802. That's our phone number here at Real Ghost Stories Online to uh, share your real ghost story with us. Of course, you can also share it on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Hey, if you like the show, please support it. Uh, sign up to become an EPP. That's an extra podcast person. You get all those bonus episodes of the show bonus video, all sorts of fun stuff, and the satisfaction knowing that you're keeping our show on the air. Sign up on the website, realghoststoriesonline.com. Until next time, for Jenny Bruschi, I'm Tony Bruschi. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online.